right, guys. Welcome back to Dadology, and I'm so excited for two reasons. Number one, John's back. Yay, what's going on, guys? I've been gone for a while. Dude, I am so excited. Glad to have him back. And the second reason why I'm excited, which you guys have heard me talk about now for a good while, a couple of episodes, we're finally at our interview. Uh, you know, so we're excited to have Austin here to talk about his story. And yes, his welcome. Uh, with him and his family. I'm not going to go into do too much detail because that's his, you know, why he's here. Uh, so, Austin, why don't you go ahead, uh, introduce yourself, tell us a little about your family, you know, so introduce. Yeah, sounds good. Um, yeah, well, thanks for having me. This is really fun to be here. And I'm honestly just looking forward to getting to spend some time together just like we were talking about earlier, just to chat. So it's going to be fun. Uh, so my name is Austin, um, and my wife and I have been married for almost 10 years. We celebrate 10 years later this month. Yes. Okay. We so just did 10 years. for us when we got married. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, celebrate 12, my wife and I, tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we're kind of playing hooky from church. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> our, our 10 years was July. No, yeah, so we're all right around the same, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess I'm good at that. Yeah, okay. yeah, well, people that have been married 10 years, they're like, hmm, you have? Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Guys, that's him saying I'm old. <laughs> and I look it. <laughs> tissues uh whatever you got to do we might get emotional over here as well you know that's okay it's okay to cry guys it's fine you know i know the stigma that's in our uh you know in our culture and things like that you know i honestly would say i would honestly say nowadays it's yeah it's it's changing it's It's changing yeah i grew up in the 90s (laughs) where you don't cry I was mm. born in 89, so, you know, I still had a lot of that as well, which I would say, yeah, it's changing, maybe, maybe too, too far, to, you know, to one side where, you know, guys don't have much, you know, you know, much about them to where they can fight for things, but, you know, so. That's uh, another topic for another day. Exactly. And so, um, well, so go ahead and just kind of tell us, you know, just kind of start the story, you know, wherever you want to start it, uh, you know, about what had happened and, you know, before what had happened, just kind of the emotions and just tell us the story. And so, yeah, so um, we had our son, Everett, and then our daughter, Eden, they were like super close together. Um, we were like originally planning to get pregnant with our first, and it came a little sooner than we wanted to, but you know, we were still super, super excited. And we thought, anyways, we had like two, three years to have another one, and we found out we were pregnant with our second like eight months later. <laughs> so they're just over 17 months apart, and oh my goodness, I panicked when uh, we found out that we were pregnant with her. Um, but but um, I think that like looking back now, I'm really about that it happened the way that it is, and they're just like, so they're so close every time i see them so i really really love them i i also had like a lot of kind of emotional work to do to like kind of restore my relationship with my daughter when she was born just because i was in such a panic finding out that she was we were pregnant with her and accepting her um where like and 
initially like as pregnancy was not something that I planned for, it's not something that I wanted. I just like how miserable this is gonna work. Um, you know, <laughs> but I also have like the developmental life thing, like every life is gonna celebrate, we welcome children into our family. And so and it's like, all right, this is what you take to believe now. Yeah. So um, after we had two seven months apart, we're like, okay, now let's like really take a little bit more of a break before I next one. <laughs> we wanted to have more than two kids. And so uh, once we figure out where, like, where babies come from, it was a little easier to... <laughs> 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 I was like, ah, <laughs> 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 we did learn a little bit more about like, you know, how, how to like, actually play a little bit more strategically. So That's um, yeah. I guess we, uh, we got pregnant with our third, um, our daughter, and we found out we were pregnant with her on April 12th, 2021. Okay. Dates. So, uh, hey, the day that we found out that we were pregnant with her, it was really, really exciting because we had like kind of been getting to the spot where we felt like, okay, I think we're like ready to have a third. I think it's been long enough, and like we're kind of getting on our feet a little bit more. I was in grad school when both of our first two kids were born, <clears throat> so I had graduated, and but that was maybe settling a little bit at least. Not like it ever really settles. <laughs> wow, that's good. so. <laughs> We're like, okay, well, let's start trying, and um, we got pregnant the first time. So that was really cool, and um, we had delivered in like a birth center and then a lower intervention birth suite that actually turned out to be having our daughter in the waiting room of the hospital because <laughs> she came so fast. Yeah. Um, and so the third time around, we're like, okay, let's do a home birth, um, and that's something we also wanted to do. Okay. And so uh, we started working with a midwife, and and just like. Anyone who's listening, such a positive experience. Like, I absolutely love the home birth approach, and it was um, something that we really wanted to do, and we were able to have our home birth with our, our fourth and more three months old now. Right. Like, in this morning. Um, so, anyway, we had like a really, really awesome pregnancy with our third. Um, I said earlier, but her name is Ember, and uh, everything was like going really, really smoothly, and, and about getting to hear her heartbeat at 12 weeks or so. And, um, everything was just like so relaxed and calm because it was with a midwife versus like so our parents were just like at her house and we just like hanging out on her couch mm-hmm. like petting her cat's well <laughs> and um, yeah. just like developing a really really strong connection with our midwife who was so much more than just like a you know care provider but just like a just like a guide through pregnancy and someone to really like just take a lot of wisdom from she's super yeah. helpful things um but anyway uh we got closer and closer and you know took all the bump pictures as we uh got there oh, yeah. and um, do all the things yes <laughs> yeah so everything uh was going like really really smoothly and so ever was due on december 20th which was i want to say that was going to be like a monday or something anyway i i came up from work on Tuesday, the fifth, the fourteenth of December, and I like we had a midwife appointment that afternoon at our house, and I was like talking with someone at work, and I was like, okay, I've got to go. Like our appointment had probably already started, and I want to be there for like the whole thing. Yeah, you know. And so I like got home from work, and so we were thirty nine weeks pregnant in one day, and um, I like walked in the door from work and. Or my wife is like laying on the couch, and my wife is using a little Doppler thing to listen to the heartbeat. And um, I kind of saw this look on Lauren's face when I walked in. I'm like, I'm really glad that you're here. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, so we all have right. Oh yeah. 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 It's like, oh yeah. Kind of one of the looks of like I know you're trying to tell me something, but I'm not exactly sure what you're trying to tell me. But like, yeah, you're not just looking at me. Like, it's, it's, it's time to pay attention. Yeah. Mm. So um, I mean, my wife is like. I'm having a little bit of trouble. She's playing hide and seek, you know. And I was like, okay, well, usually, like, we hear the heartbeat, like, right away. Right. Well, especially that. That far, yeah. We're, like, about to burst into my heart. It's huge. Um, Third pregnancy, your body, like, knows right what to do. (laughs) Blow up right away. Um, And so, anyway, it went from, like, can't really find a heartbeat to, hmm, I'm having a harder time finding a heartbeat to, I cannot find the heartbeat. We need to go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, and with our first, we had had a situation where we couldn't find the heartbeat at like 12 or 13 weeks or something like that. Right. Um, 
maybe earlier. We had been told that we would probably hear the heartbeat that day, and then they couldn't find it. And you know, we were mm. 24 and didn't really know very much. And <laughs> so we're like, they can't find the heartbeat. So we like rushed off to this uh, hospital to get an ultrasound, and then it was like, he's totally fine. He's moving like crazy, you know. And so right. part of me wanted to. Think back, my wife was kind of thinking back to that moment, but I was like, we're 39 weeks. Like, there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to hear our beat. Right. But then, so, I was like, nothing was really confirmed, but I, of course, it was like, my heart was just like, racing. I felt like, nauseous and dizzy kind of thing. Um, our wife had like, an assistant who was with her. Um, maybe she was a matron or some really, really sweet girl. Um, and so she was like, hey, how about I stay with Everett and Eden while you guys go to the hospital until we can like, figure out the new plan. Yeah, so anyway, we rushed off to the hospital and immediately I was like kind of texting a lot of family just saying like, hey, here's what's happening. We don't really know anything, but just like, please just pray. I don't yeah. know what to pray for, but like, it's fine. So, just pray. Yeah. Um, luckily, there's like a women's hospital that was like 15 minutes from my house, not even that far. There's like this back road to get there really quickly. And so we went in there and my wife told them that we were coming and we came in and we got into this triage room and it's just like a, a big room that has like these little alcoves with like a little curtain that goes across them and so Lauren laid down on the table and they put like the big belt on her that has like the two little circles yeah. mm-hmm. to monitor heart rate like you usually heart rate. right and so okay. they put that on and like silent there's nothing right away um, and uh, it was just me and uh, and Lauren and then like they would let me like swap out with our midwife because um, this was still kind of in the middle of like COVID yeah stuff. We, were, we were coming out of that yeah kind of yeah. so and so it was like it was all kind of high on what their regulations were actually at that time all right um, but anyway they couldn't find anything so then they did ultrasound and you know this is our third kid so like I know what an ultrasound looks like and I have like seen you know a heart beating on there and stuff mm-hmm. I remember Ember's 20-week ultrasound, we were actually at the same hospital that we were at, where I'm talking about now, and I remember, like, seeing all four chambers of Ember's heart just, like, just you know, beating away and, and watching, and I didn't say I wish that I had taken some videos or pictures then. I don't think they let you, or whatever. They don't, reason, but, but you have to uh, sneak them. Yeah, just a lot of times. Sorry. So, but anyway, I remember really vividly, like, watching on the screen and seeing, you know, her profile and seeing her feet and her hands on there. And then, like, it went to her heart and I just saw all four chambers totally still. And so, I was like, in that moment, I was kind of like, the doctors haven't really said anything and they're kind of being quiet. But, um, I was like, that's not beating. Right. Like, that's, I can see from my own eyes that that's, her heart is not beating. And, um, this, ultrasound tech was not like the official lady to you know to I don't even know what the process is to like assign a you know, record of death or whatever but I remember there's one like she was just really quiet and looking and searching and looking and searching and she kind of like sat back in her chair from it and said yeah this baby does not have a heartbeat and we both were just looking at her like so you know, right, like, what do you even say? And Lauren, I just remember Lauren saying, like, then she said, like, she's gone. And um, the lady said, yes, I'm afraid so. I'm so sorry. And um, so in that moment, I just remember, like, I was kind of leaning over Lauren, and um, I literally, like, turned my face away from Lauren and, like, screamed. Like, I literally just, like, it was such a guttural, like, from deep in my body, just, like, I didn't even know what to think and I wasn't even thinking like I really have something on the screen it just was like it just came out yeah um, and so we just like hugged each other and um, they said that they were going to send in somebody else to like come and do an ultrasound to like confirm things yeah but like as soon as they told us um, you know we said like can you please let me like come in um, and they're like yeah and whatever regulations we have like you know, and a lot of those regulations are to protect the baby. Right. right. So, yeah. In this case, she's already gone. Um, so anyway, my friend wife came in, and I just remember the tears running down my wife's face. And, you know, at this point, we didn't know what had happened. All we knew was, like, 
we had a beating heart a few days ago, and then we don't have a beating heart. Right. And there is a lot of talk in the like prenatal world, especially in like the holistic prenatal world at that time about like effects of uh, COVID stuff and vaccines affecting babies in utero, and um, we had been like really cautious about any type of exposure throughout our whole pregnancy, and so we were not sure if there was something that could have happened along those lines to cause her death. And so there was a lot of like, of course, sadness. Like sadness was like the overarching emotion, you know, um, so grief rather. Uh, but there's also some like confusion and almost like anger of like, if somehow there's something that's the cause of this, like how will we ever yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, there, there was just like so many things happening in my head right away, and the the tech came in and she did her ultrasounds and she didn't really say anything to us and then she left again and there was no really word said of like the kids confirmed. There was no words of like just kidding. She pumped me hard, you know, because yeah, we all knew that wasn't going to be the case. So. Um, yeah, we like uh, told, I, remember, I, th- I think we called and told Lauren's mom then. Um, and that was kind of hard because Lauren's mom was in the middle of like, a lot of pretty significant health issues and was not in a place to be able to drive herself up the five hour drive from where she lives. Um, and so, but she like just really wanted to be there. So we're trying to figure out like, you know, is there a way that she could come? She had been planning to come soon um, you know, to be there when she was born. But uh, anyway, so we, texted some other uh, like people from my wife or from church honestly um, and then I remember calling my, my parents and I'm, I got my mom by herself and you know we talked and, you know, just immediate sobs um, and then I was like hey is dad around and she said no he, he like just pulled out from work so you can call him and so I remember calling my dad that's probably like one of the most gruesome moments I would say and there are several really gruesome moments but I just remember like I called my dad and you know he's such a wonderful guy I love him and he answered and he's like hey Austin how's it going and I said hey dad and he said oh no and so I was like hey can you pull over and I just like was kind of my voice was quivering like it is now yeah I was just like taking some deep breaths until he said that he was parked and all I could get out was like there's no heartbeat and so that was really like intense to communicate with him, and, and he, uh, you know, we cried together on the phone, and, and then it was like, okay, well, love you, and we're gonna go do this. And my dad lives out in California, my parents do, so that's 100 miles from here, and so there's no question of like, okay, we'll be there right away, you know. Right. And like another crazy thing about the story is that my sister has been in mission in Africa at that point for five years, and my parents had never gotten out to visit her, and they were leaving that night to fly to Africa. And so I, I was like, I would love you to be here, but you have been planning for five years to go to Africa, and like she had to start dating a guy that she's not married to, that they're in the beat, and all these things. And I was like, go do that, like, go to Africa still, you know? Like I don't want you to like throw away those plans. Um, I'm not that what we were trying to do significant, but right. I was like, there's so much momentum in that direction. Um, so anyway, that meant that they were like. So anyway, went on to call our family, and then they moved us to a, a hospital room. Um, and even in those moments, like Lauren started to feel, actually, you know what? On the drive to the hospital, Lauren felt like a small contraction of like her body was starting to go into labor, because like her body knew that she had passed and that it was time to deliver. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they moved us to a hospital room, and we had told. Our life group that we were in at that time, um, and they were like, We're coming over dinner, we're gonna be there, and we're just gonna pray and love on you and hug. And so, they and then another couple, um, he actually married us at our wedding. Uh, they they came, and you know, like I had I cried a lot already, but when I saw people that I knew, it was like it was different, and all of a sudden felt like more real. Or, like, oh my goodness, I'm the person in the hospital that like, people coming to be with you know yeah. right and so i remember seeing the guy who officiated our wedding um who we just love and like he walked in the hospital room and i just like 
you know, gave him this bear hug and just like sobbed, just like hardcore sobbed right then. And then people from our church came and same thing, just like, right. just like they all but picking up and help me, you know. Um, so, which honestly, like, I love that those people are still in my life. Now, granted, this was only 19 months ago, but um, it's it's interesting. It's something. It's a really wonderful thing to have friends in your life with whom you've shared like the darkest moments of your life with, and yeah. you have like basically help you at those moments, you know. Right. So if I'm talking about something like dense with one of those friends, or like I start to tear up, I'm like, you know, it's all it's all good, you know, because yeah. you've been you've been there in those those moments. So anyway, the hospital is really generous and kind, and they just let us have like a good while to just be together with them, and we talked and. I attempted to eat food and I didn't have an appetite, but um, we prayed together and, you know, like, a lot of our friends kind of had this posture of, like, God, we don't accept this, like, you can do a miracle or whatever, um, and in my head, I wanted to, like, to believe that and say that and think that too, but it almost was like, Lauren and I had this, it wasn't necessarily, like, a peace in our hearts, but this deep feeling of, like, God is still in control. Right. And, mm-hmm. like, this somehow is not out of the scope of his control. And, like, if this is a part of what he allows to happen, like, well, good grief, we're going to find the good in this. You know, because if this is in his control, there is still somehow that it's going to work together for, you know, as Romans talks about the good of those who love him. And so it's like, well, we're going to search for that. Uh, but I also do remember moments there in the hospital of just like how in the world like where where in the world are you God like what the what yep. the heck is happening yeah yep. which absolutely. is absolutely human and natural to feel and frankly yeah. not wrong at all you know I think like people often will it's like God is almighty and who are we to like get mad at mm-hmm. or like question his authority right. and being angry at someone I think is different than questioning their authority you know yeah. and and I was so angry at God and so mad at like what had happened um, and so wanting to question like his plan but I didn't necessarily find myself questioning his authority but also like a lot of people have encouraged me in this too which I feel like you more strongly about but like whatever emotions you are experiencing like God is there's no emotion or amount of rage or anger that God is not bigger still right and uh, you know any emotion that you have like he can take it mm-hmm. and he's there to love on us and care for us and so anyway we had a, a special time with the friends and um, I want to say family but our friends right there and one of them ultimately ended up like meeting my wife's brother with her mom halfway between us and so she was able to come and meet at the hospital and like got there at like 3 a.m. or something so yeah um, we yeah we started the process of like labor induction and um, you know when all the friends left it was like oh that was so good to be with them and it was so good to pray and like you know we can do this but then it was like okay we're gonna do this you know, and I had just this like hit in my stomach about the fact that like I wish that it was just the news that like she was dead and then we can go home without her and just mourn and grieve and heal from the fact that she's dead. But it's like she has to be born. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I remember Lauren like right in the first moments actually after we found out that she had died of like, can they just like cut me open and do a C section and take her out and there's just like plenty of reasons to not do that. Um, and just the, the time to go that, I mean, I'm just ultimately decided not to do that. So, um, you know, they started labor, and I just remember thinking, like, oh my gosh, we're gonna, like, we're gonna meet her. And so much of it was like, I, I can't wait to see her and meet her. And, um, you know, our first two were a boy and a girl. And so I felt like, okay, I know what a boy child of ours looks like, and what a girl child of ours looks like. but or would another girl look like that's not Eden? You know, I was right. so curious about that the whole time. Um, and so I was like, I'm gonna finally like see her. 
then I was like, this will be the only time I see her, you know? Um, and so there was just so much dread, like uh, leading up to the moment of like actually meeting her body. Um, so anyway, we, you know, she got the pitocin started in and they put the epidural in, which is a new experience for us because didn't do an epidural with the other two kids. They didn't offer an epidural in the hospital waiting room. But so we got that in, and then what's interesting is that I like, fell asleep on the couch and I fell into like the deepest sleep. Like I slept hard for like three or four hours because I had exerted so much like commercial energy. Right. And, you know, through like Spent. crying so hard and stuff. Um, and I'm like waking up to Lauren's mom kind of walk, walking in the room. And so anyway, all of our friends had left probably like at nine or 10 p.m. or something, and then, you know, we started into the night doing all this stuff, and um, I, I, like, waited till it was morning time in Africa, I called my sister and tell her, and she was going through grief, but also thinking, okay, mom and dad are about to fly out here, and now this is happening, and there's a lot to process. Um, my parents were boarding their flight from L.A. to Chicago was their first leg, and what's interesting is that... Um, they, they got to see Ember on FaceTime from their plane that was going to Africa from Chicago like minutes before they took off and it was just kind of gracious of God to allow them to, to see that but um, yeah so ultimately you know things progressed and about nine in the morning we were ready to push and I just remember feeling like I have to be strong like I have to be strong like there's no option to just tap out we're gonna do this and Lauren was right there like with her in her body like she had pushed through and she had told me like I'm really gonna need like leading up to her actual birth and delivery to not be super heavy you know like I literally at one point I looked up like <laughs> I'm saying this here in this context but I looked up dad jokes online and was like reading dad jokes to her uh, to like keep it like right. uh, and just kind of give person strength and I and it's interesting because I I'm a, I'm a counselor like that's my job right. and I I'm always like don't push away the sadness don't push away the grief like it's okay to feel what you are feeling but in those moments like we needed to be stronger than just like wallowing in our grief could uh, right. to be um, and so like watching your wife go through labor is already like that I think men experience <laughs> yeah. outside from like actual trauma. Um, and and so watching her go through labor for a baby that you, like, you know you're not going to get to raise was like a really, uh, I said, I honestly don't know how to describe it. It just was, it felt so empty. It's like she's going through all this work and pain on top of like the grief to meet our dead child, you know? And it just felt like so Um Granted, our first two laborers were unmedicated, this one was a little bit epidural and everything, so it was, you know, different. Um, but honestly, like, the labor and delivery did go really smoothly. We pushed for, like, 15 minutes or something. Yeah. And I remember, like, standing next to the hospital bed, holding on his hand and looking into her face and just, like, I just made myself smile. You know, I just, like, kept looking at her. And we just smile and kind of have this look on my face like, I love you. You're going to be okay. We can give you our daughter, you know? Yeah. And so I remember feeling like pretty strong. And she was feeling pretty strong. And uh, then the, the doctor was like, okay, you're probably going to deliver on this next push. And I was really like, oh my gosh, here we go. Here we go, you know? Um, and she was born and they pulled her out in her chest. And I saw. Like my wife's emotional composure just like disintegrate her last push. Like once she knew that she had like done it and she was, you know, getting her out, she was moving on. It was like, okay, I've been as strong as long as I need to be, strong as long as I like, have to be. And she's here now. Um, so like there was like that first moment of just like sorrow and just like, oh my gosh. She's like she's perfect, but she also was so obviously not alive. Yeah. You know? 
they laid her down on Mara's chest, and I don't want to be like too graphic, but she just like there, you know. And it, yeah. these, you know, as newborns, they don't have a whole lot of like muscular development, so they do kind of you know lay yeah. limply. But it was, it was different. It was really different. But other than that, like color and everything, she looked pretty normal. Um, but then as soon as like that, that first moment passed, it was like, oh my goodness, she looks so much like Eden. And like, look at her little teeny wisp of hair and gosh, what a perfect nose. And oh my goodness, look at her fingers and you know, all of that. Um, the normal, like marveling over your newborn child. Um, so, uh, it was like really surreal. It was really surreal, and I was totally like not paying attention to anything else that was happening in the room. But all like the nurses and doctors kind of just faded away, and then it was just like us and Lauren's mom and our midwife, and we just like sat there and looked at her and held her. And um, I knew that my parents were like just about to take off for a seventeen-hour flight, and so I like FaceTimed them, um, and. It was just interesting because you know, I could see that they were on the plane and the plane was like taxiing and stuff. And so there they are, like meeting their dead grandchild on FaceTime before they went from their phone for 17 hours. Um, so that was that was hard. Um, but we FaceTimed well and siblings, we FaceTimed my siblings, and just like, you know, virtually sat with them and cried and commented on how beautiful she was and perfect she was and all that. So <clears throat> anyway. And it was, it was a lot. Um, she was born at 9.15 in the morning, and, and we were there throughout the whole day, um, just letting like, the medication you know, wear off out of Lauren's body. And, uh, we had a friend who had plans to you know, come and take pictures of the labor and delivery and of her after she still came. And she took those pictures, and the nurses took um, Ember uh, to a different room and like, cleaned her up and we gave them like an outfit that we had brought for her to wear when she was born initially. Um, and they changed her into that. And, and so we got to hold her in a little outfit and put a diaper on her and all that. So I think one of the things that was like the most challenging for me was just the confusion of like, she looks so perfect. She was perfect. And like, I know what it's like to hold a brand new baby, I know what like a newborn looks like and what it feels like, and she looked like almost the same, and like everything's there, but like, it doesn't work, you know. It feels like if someone like gave you a brand new car and then like it doesn't turn on, it actually doesn't function, but it's like well, it's all there, like it looks totally normal, right. So uh, as soon as she was born, our the the um, OB commented on her umbilical cord. And because of a whole lot of, you know, red tape, I guess, with how the hospital system works, that they weren't able to like officially label it as this. But from some things that the OB said and our midwife kind of expecting, expecting things, they discovered that what very likely happened is that there was what's called a sudden umbilical hematoma in the umbilical cord that, like, so the blood, one of the three blood vessels in the umbilical cord ruptured and caused it to like basically just turn into the umbilical cord to just like turn into this big sausage and where it was no longer able to function. And so uh, uh, she was fine, but she like was like, should they be taken off of life support? And the reason that that umbilical cord ruptured is because there was scar tissue that had developed at the side where the umbilical cord connects to the placenta. And it's normal for scar tissue to develop at the later terms of pregnancy on the placenta. Right. And like with our last child who was just born three months ago, we could see scar tissue in different spots and it just by chance developed right there where the placenta connects. And so it wasn't able, blood wasn't able to go back into the placenta. And so therefore the pressure built up in the umbilical cord and it ruptured and then was no longer able to work. So it was as if Ember was just taken off by support. So that being said, there's nothing wrong with Ember, right? So yeah. right. it's totally there like a, you know, pediatrician came looked over her and was like perfectly healthy, normal, newborn, you know, which just, like, I almost hated hearing those words because it's like, but she's dead. Like, right. So right. you can't say that, you know, um, and, and to look at, you know, your daughter and just see her 
lifeless. And it's it's interesting because you know it would be totally different if <clears throat> one of my other kids who I've already gotten to experience life with had passed away. Um, but Ember, just because she had not yet been born, is no less human because she had not been born yet. She has right. no less dignity. She has no less value to her family. She has you know no no smaller space in my heart or space that would grow in, in my heart for her. You know, I just I didn't really get the chance to know her. So I I held her for a while after she was born. Um, you know, after we were ready to pick her up on the chest and stuff. And I held her before she was cleaned up and I held her after she was cleaned up and I just sat there, you know, dreaming and thinking about all the things that I would never get to experience with her. But also trying to somehow grapple with the fact that maybe those things were never meant to be, or maybe those things were never planned out to be. And maybe the, the purpose that God had for her life was not limited by the fact that it was only within many weeks and one day, you know. And, and what God wants to do with her life and her story, and therefore now our story, he's not, like, no longer able to do only because of his so short so, yeah, man, we had a we had a service for her uh, three days later at a church, and and so many people came. It was really cool. Like we felt so loved throughout the whole thing. And that was like it's really profound to experience what like the body of Christ coming together to like hold people up in the midst of um, in the midst of grief looks like or what it should look like and I feel very fortunate that we got to experience you know what it should look like yeah uh, and so people from out of town people from people, people from places that we hadn't or people who we hadn't seen in a long time were there um, and it just was like so special and we just went out and talked to people for a long time afterwards and my sister and brother came from out of town Lauren's family came from out of town and they were there um, and that was good people stayed with us for a while and was the is that you know, I work in the school as a school counselor, and this all happened on a she was born on a Wednesday, and all we had left was Thursday and Friday before us Christmas break. So like, um, I wasn't even really like okay, I can't go to work for who knows how long. You know, it was like there was already a two week break built in, and yeah. just kind of God's providence. And, um, and then I, I took an additional week off, so it was also going before I went back to work. Um, but it's just weird because. All the people come into town and you mourn and you talk together and you have time together. Um, but people have to go back to their normal life. And yeah. So you kind of, and I just am feeling like, who even are we now? You know? And she was due on the 20th. Christmas came and our first two kids were born at 49 weeks. So I was kind of anticipating she probably be born like around actual Christmas Day or right after. And I think there was another wave that kind of hit of like, grief when it got to be the 26th, the 27th, the 28th, and like we started to do things that I had envisioned us doing with her, mm-hmm. and she wasn't there, and it was just so strange to like no longer be pregnant and have no baby, and for a while to be like pumping breast milk and for milk to be coming in, and there's no baby, and to have bottles and pump parts and, and stuff, and no baby, you know? Um, and I remember there was like one of the first few nights back home by Lauren and said something like, I miss her. I was like, you do, you know, I miss her a lot. And she said, you know, like she used to be in my body and she's not me. It hit me different because, you know, especially in the later terms of pregnancy when you're so large and you feel every movement, it's like you base every movement around the fact that this eight pound Maybe or you know, whatever is inside your body, and it was six eleven, um, and you know even just in the middle of the night when she would shift her weight in the bed, she would like you know think to move as though she was pregnant, and then she wasn't, but there's not maybe sleep next to her. So there was like an extra layer of like missing her for Lauren that you know, I didn't really get to experience. Yeah, um, that's one thing. As men, we'll never, we'll never yeah. know. Yeah, we'll never know. Yeah. No. So, um, yeah, it's hard to know, like, where to go from here in terms of what to even, like, talk about. But I think the biggest thing is just that, um, like, Ember, 
will always be a part of our family. She was meant to be, and like the way that she will be a part of our family is just different from what we had planned. Um, and I really think that like who she has made us to be is a part of the way that she impacts our family. You know, like my other kids impact our family in different ways, and the way that she's impacted our family is who we all have become because of her, you know? Like I was sitting with a, a child at work a few weeks after, and they're telling me about some something that they're moving over, and I felt so much more like empathy and eagerness to like attune myself with where they were uh, than I had before, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, would I rather have Emma with me than be able to attune to children better? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But that's something that's good. And I'm, like I said, from the very beginning, from the first moments, like we are going to search for the good in this because we ultimately believe that God is still working in the middle of this and there is good that's going to come from it. And so, uh, you know, funny moments like that have been really helpful and almost like healing for me. And honestly, just like getting to be here today feels like something that I can do as Emperor's dad, you know, yeah. and sharing our story uh, and talking about her and, you know, hopefully being able to stand beside people and grieve with deeper empathy than I would have been able to beforehand uh, is something that I need to do often, but also, like, my ability to do so feels like something that I get to do to function as Emperor's dad. Because I never changed Emperor's diaper, I never took her for a walk, I never brushed her hair, but I can steward our story with her well. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. can use who she's made me to be and the impact her life has had on mine to hopefully encourage, empower, you know, support other people too. So um, you know, one thing as you kinda of, you know, going through your story, kinda of like compose here. Yeah. <laughs> um but Obviously, you know, at this point in time, you had two children. They're old enough to know mama's pregnant. It's old enough. I didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, what what was that like when you had to have that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm glad you brought that up. So, I mean, when this happened, I, I had not been a school counselor for very long. But, you know, in my work as being a school counselor... I was used to like talking about emotionally dense things with children, you know, yeah. and I work in a group setting, and so talking about kind of heavy things with kids was not something that I was like a stranger to, I guess you could say. But uh, there was some point in the labor process, or even after she was born, where I realized, like, oh my word, like, we are going to have to tell the kids because they had like been so excited to be their little sister and to be big brothers and sisters and to her and. Um, you know, they had dreamt a lot of it, and you know, they spent a lot of the pregnancy talking to her through mama's belly and singing to her and all those you know, beautiful, sweet things. Um, so, yeah, one of our, our friends who had come and stayed with the kids through that night um, brought them to come see us and, and meet her. Um, and Vaughn and I, like, talked about it before, like, how are we actually going to tell them? You know, so at this point, uh, Everett had just turned four, and Eden was like two and a half, a little bit, like two and uh, seven months or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I kind of like thought through how I wanted to say it, but we brought the kids into the room, and um, I think I can't remember if we were already holding Ember or not. I don't know. Like, um, I talked to them and said, hey, you know how like we get to listen to Ember's heartbeat sometimes with our midwife and how it like, goes boom, boom, boom in our chest. That's what keeps us alive. That's what helps our, our body work and helps us function and helps us breathe and be able to talk and move. I was saying, I said, so my heart is going boom, 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 and mommy's is, and yours is Everett, and yours is Eden, and I'm so sorry, but Ember's heart is not going boom, boom. So, um, like, obviously that was, like, really, really hard, because they were, like, right there, we were all huddled around her, sitting on this couch. Um, and I think Eden didn't really get it, you know, she's two and a half, 
ever, like, it's so fascinating how Jordan Reed ever, like, slunk back in his chair and kind of, like, had a pouty face on, <laughs> almost similar right. to, like, if he didn't get snacky one or something, you know, right, which is right. really fascinating. Um, but, and, like, we're all just sitting there trying to, like, compose ourselves, and Eden starts playing, like, um, like, this little piggy with her toes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she just, like, she just wanted to be a big sister to her, so she was trying to. Uh, so we, like, took pictures together, and sat with them. There was some lunch that we tried to eat with them and stuff. In fact, we like, I think we had lunch with them first and tried to just have like a normal time together and then whatever normal can be. And then we like brought Ember into the situation and told them. So obviously that was like really hard. Our friend who uh, brought them like sat there with us through it all. And, uh, it was special to have her there. It's special because we still have a close friendship with her and obviously strengthened because of going through this with them. But, it's, it's special to have friends who have seen Ember, you know, like, yeah. my parents didn't see Ember, nobody in my family ever, like, met her actual body, um, but I have some friends who have, and so that's, that's really special to me, um, for sure. So yeah, that was obviously really hard, and then, I mean, it's not like the story stops there in terms of, like, navigating that loss with your, with your kids, you know? Yeah. So my oldest Everett, he's, like, slept pretty well since he was a baby, um, you know, those those just fine at night and uh, that night, you know, we came home from the hospital around like dinner time. And I can talk more about that later, but that was another, you know, just really hard moment to leave. Um, but Everett woke up in the middle of the night screaming, like he was having nightmares or something. And like that never happens. And so I I really believe that grief is something that like our bodies internalize and there's an extent to which our bodies process grief like separate from our subconscious yeah. in a way or, or from our actual conscious like working inside of our head and there are times when like emotion like physical manifestation manifestation <laughs> uh, like just takes over yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, yeah but they like the next night or the night after that like, I was just putting everything down and um, for probably like several months after I passed away, every time I like laid the kids down, I would just like put my ear on their chest and listen to their heart, you know? Absolutely. Like, it was me, you know, and that was just like such a beautiful sound. Um, and like I can honestly say that there's like a celebration inside my heart for like, every beat of their heart, you know. Um, but Everett was just talking with me and he was like, uh, he kind of like leaned back on his pillow and looked up to the ceiling and he had this precious kind of like gaze on his face and he was like I bet Ember's up there in heaven just singing with the angels and talking to Jesus and just having so much fun I was really like that snappy baby dad (laughs) 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 so I was totally in pieces listening to him talk about and imagine his sister who's now um, and then you like stuff the stack. I'm like, if the kids will still throw really like sweet things about that, right? Yeah. Yeah, they'll say things about her that just comes out of left field, and all of a sudden has me like undone, and yeah. they're totally fine. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, we've continued to really just lean in to the whole grief process with our kids and. Let them know, like, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to say you miss her. It's absolutely okay to talk to her. And, you know, I guess we moment where uh, last school year, Everett was doing, like, a little um, little interview with him, I guess you can say, with the private school he's going to this fall, which is our kindergarten, and they asked him to draw a picture of his family. And uh, he drew a picture of us uh, and Ember in heaven, and he drew a picture of Lakin inside Lauren's tummy. And uh, I didn't know that I didn't see that picture until we met with the staff later, and they showed us the picture, and I started like tear up. But um, I feel like proud of the extent to which we have like 
kept Ember part of our family. That, mm-hmm. like, if he's asked to draw a picture of our family, like he includes Ember in it. And you yeah. know, I really had to work through like who do I tell about this and who do I not, and how many kids do you have is such a normal question in everyday right. life. And so, uh, I have four kids. Right. I absolutely to raise three of them, and. To be like in passing, you know, in a busy lobby, and, hey, how's it going? Hey, my name's Austin. What's up? How many kids do you have? If you start talking about family, um, to be like, it's not here. I just met you and I really don't know you, but let me tell my daughter to die. You know, it's like, <laughs> well, man, like, wasn't really asking for the sob stories right. at times. Like, they haven't earned that place in my life for me to be that vulnerable with them. They're not asking me for me to be vulnerable with them as I'm, as they're asking for how many kids I have. And so I'll say, you know, I have three kids. And, um, but if Everett's near me, I'm like, Dad, right. it's Nevin, you have four kids. And so then I'm like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> situation like that. Right. I'd talk about the gym today. Um, and so that will forever be part of our story, and that's going to be interesting to kind of figure out how to navigate. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, any uncomfortable situation that presents itself because I'm putting forth a strong effort to honor and honor my daughter's life and honor her place in our family. I was going to say, so anybody that like knows you and knows your kids knows how close they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Were they, yeah. did they get, cause like before like we, like I've always said like, I love how close they are. They're always holding yeah. hands. They're yeah. always, they're always together and everything. Yeah. I can only imagine that this made that stronger. Yeah. I think and so. was it noticeable That's as, as you've grown from, from this experience, like just in your kids, that bond that they have? Cause they went through that together. Yeah. They did. And I think that like, if you ask my wife, she might have a little bit more authentic concern just because of the nature of our life. Right. 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 For me, but, um, I'd say they have all been pretty close, and I have no doubt that this like strengthened their right. their bond. You know, they were going to be the only two kids in our family just until Eden was two and a half. But instead, they were the only two kids in our house uh, until they, you know Eden was almost four when Lincoln was born. So uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. So when you guys. So obviously, you know, grieving process can take, you know, however long, you know, and, you know, it differs on, on people, things like that. Um, yeah. But I guess the big thing for me is when you guys learned, you know, you that she was pregnant again, mm-hmm. what were the feelings? Oh, man, right? yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. So we actually, like, we wanted to have a third child. And when Ember died, we were like, we want to have a third child. And our third child will be our fourth child. Right. Our third child. Right. And, you know, all that. And it's interesting. I already was kind of feeling like, uh, man, this gap is a little bit longer than I want it to be. And then all of a sudden, like, it's going to be a big gap between kids. But, I mean, all that to say, we wanted to have a third child. We started, like, trying like, five months after Ember was born, actually, and about eight months after Ember was born. Um, and uh, kind of same scenario as when we found Oh. <laughs> really sweet and then I wanted to cry and hug and cheer and all that and at the same moment the dog got out and started running down the street <laughs> <laughs> so, life just I'm hits you a little, right. little, <laughs> little bit of a different moment than what we thought it would be right. um, you know I was really busy in our pregnancy with Ember and there's a lot of time soaking up her in utero that I wish I had done Right. I didn't. Uh, I'm not saying I didn't at all, but right. I, mean, I wish right. that I had just like sat in like paid attention to everything, right? All of that. Um, and so from the very beginning, I was like, oh, man, why not waiting until she's done to start really saving, like, you know, yeah. and celebrate every minute of life with this child, um, and just started like thanking God for her in the very beginning. But I also, like, you know, 
it really is profound peace that is found in the Lord and the, the Bible talks about the peace that surpasses human understanding and I in human terms had like every right to be just like white knuckle terrified oh yeah pregnancy. oh yeah there's several factors that play into it so one like having scar tissue develop at the site of the beautiful board getting into the placenta is like so very very rare Right. Like everything else with Ember and the pregnancy was totally perfect and normal, you know. So like the chances of that happening again were very slim, um, like basically none. Uh, so there's that comfort, but also just like you know what, God, like we have seen that even through immense grief and heartache, like we can still be okay, and like God, it carries us through it. And I really like I believe this before Ember was born, but I really believe it even more now that like. God's goodness to us, towards us, is not measured by the extent to which he gives us what we want. Right. And he's good because it's a part of his character. And, like, his character does not change. And so if our circumstances change in a way that we don't appreciate or that we don't want, he's still steadfast in his character. So you got to look for what he's doing in the midst of it because just because we do what we want doesn't mean he's not good. Right. So... Um, you know, knowing that God's good and whatever happens this time around, He's still good. Whatever happens, we have a loving community that carries us through that, that can carry us through anything. Um, and only, you know, we know that we can rely on the Lord, He's going to get us through this. But I think in the beginning it was just like, okay, we're going to cherish everything from the start. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I think that's kind of how it was different. And, and it went by quickly. It really did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And everything. So, so smoothly. Um, honestly, however, there was a moment the day before her due date when actually, uh, well, let me back up a little bit. I'm sure we'll learn more about some stuff. But what's cool is that we used the midwife with our daughter Lakin, who's going to ask as with our own, and that that was special going into it because we just felt like our midwife was like another part of. Thing, really, honestly. Oh, yeah. And we had, you know, kept doing some work with our midwife because she does another, I'll just say, health consulting with nutrition and all sorts of other things. And so my wife continued to work with her between pregnancies. But the very same couch where we come down, where we initially couldn't find Andrew's heartbeat, is the very same couch where, with our midwife, and Lauren, we were there together, just like with Ember, uh, we got to hear her heartbeat for the first time. And so it was just like this really surreal moment of like, yeah. we sat right here and discovered that Ember had probably passed, and now we're sitting here and getting to hear this new child's heartbeat for the very first time. So, you know, along with celebrating her from the very beginning, we did, we like announced her pregnancy at eight weeks, we did like a little gender reveal party at like nine or ten weeks for her. I mean, from the very beginning, it's like, we just want everybody to know that like, we were pregnant, there was a beating heart inside Lauren's body, this child is gifting God, mm-hmm. we're going to celebrate it. Every bit of it. Um, so, yeah, that's I was there. But the day before we were due, I made my over for a checkup and sit there on the same couch. Uh, baby's heart rate was like really low, like lower than it should be. I think it was like in like 105 or 110s, and they want to see like 130s and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it all ended up being because one was dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which I'm so glad. But we went to the same hospital. this sense of like wow at that point 16 months ago this is what had happened and all that God has done through our story since then and all the healing work that has taken place through you know the Holy Spirit's powerful work in our lives and our hearts the 
work of telling my story, the work of you know having my family loving on as well and helping us heal. But I just felt like I was able to take a look back over this, the time since she had been born and um, just consider that God had been with us through it all and that he had been good to us still. Um, and it felt like we're going to be okay and it's going to be okay. And, you know, they give Lauren some food and she got <laughs> more hydrated and heart rate bounced back up to where it's supposed to be yeah. and everything was good. And, um, but it was interesting. It was really hard to be in that early game, but I felt like it was like God's way that did cost me some money um, <laughs> of saying like, hey, I just, before you go into this, I just want you to remember like, I'm here, I'm good, and look up where you come since Ember was born and had it. Like, you know how God have done in your life and work through it. And I got you. So, all that to be said, we were like really ready to just have the baby and Lauren took a little bit of castor oil that night, which mm-hmm. is like, had worked as a natural labor induction in inducer mm-hmm. uh, with Eden, our second, and she took the castor oil at like 5.30 and she was born at 12.30 that night. <laughs> 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 on, on her due date. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it was awesome. Wow, man. You know, once again, I just want to thank you for telling the story. Yeah. You know, um, but before we close out and before we, you know, kind of taper off and end this, for any dad that's listening to this or listens to this in the future, you know, or God brings this episode across to somebody, what would be one thing that you would tell another dad who's experiencing loss? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to sum it up into like, here's the one thing I would say, but I think like the main thing that comes to mind is just that like God loves you. He sees you, and your pain is not too much for him to bear. Um, but he uses that pain that you experience, and he doesn't waste it. Um, and he like sees you. He sees the end. Like he sees your end. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees the whole scope of your life. He orchestrates the steps that are going to happen in your future. He works all those things together. And he has your good in mind. Mm-hmm. And there's so much peace in life, you know, especially in today's world. You have to try to almost figure out, like, who's for me, who's against me, like, who's actually going here to help me. But, like, right. God is ultimately in control. He works out all the details, and he has your good in mind. And so in that hospital room, I had no clue how this is for my good. And um, I know now that, like, I am stronger in my faith. I have ability to help encourage other people. Like I have deep empathy for people who are experiencing loss. Um, there are so many lives that like we in our story have been able to touch because of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, I, he, I believed that he was good, and but like that had shifted. I guess more accurately, I can say like before Ember, I knew. that's experiencing something you know as tragic you know or hopefully not you know right anybody this this is something that can help anybody uh be prepared and know like you said that even trivial things sometimes gets us all out of whack and you know we can look and go okay we know god is good right and we know that he's powerful yeah and so um but as we do every dadology episode we're gonna pray us out john you want to pray us out i was gonna say you go ahead you go ahead on i gotta get back in the routine <laughs> okay all right you could lord we just want to come before you today just thanking you for for who you are god lord we thank you for your love 
and your mercy and your grace. Lord, we thank you for the supernatural peace that you give us when things are just haywire and crazy. And we thank you so much for the comfort that you also give in, in, throughout our lives, God. We know that you were big. We know that you were strong. And that you can, as your word says, you know, if we come humbly before you, casting our cares to you, that you'll take them. And that you're strong enough to take them. And, and that you're big enough to do that. And so, Lord, we just ask that any dad listening to this right now that's experiencing, you know, hardship or of any sort in their life that hear this and know that you are good. And so, Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.